Hey everybody, what is up? Hope you are enjoying the glorious spring weather where you are. It is time for the latest episode of the Fortress of Rock, episode 87, Friday night, April the 14th, 2023. I, of course, am the maestro, Kevin Crane, and you are who you are. As always, glad to have you aboard here for yet another extravaganza of rock and roll debauchery. Well, not really debauchery. You guys know I keep it clean, but it's rock and roll. So there's always some stuff that's straddling that line between good taste and bad taste. But that's why we love this music. Segment one is always news of the world, our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen. Most of the news we've got this week involves tours. That doesn't really surprise me. It shouldn't surprise you as we're getting into, as I mentioned, the good weather. Outdoor venues are going to start opening here in the next month, month and a half or so. Now, unfortunately, I don't have great touring news. Some good, some bad. Let's start off with the bad. Get it out of the way. Get it off the table. George Thorogood has had to cancel 18 shows in the spring, early summer with the Destroyers. Um, The word is he is undergoing surgery for a very serious medical condition. And, of course, this... Unfortunately, isn't all that shocking when we're talking about the elder statesmen of rock and roll, the bands, the performers that you and I grew up with. We've already seen a lot of a lot of these friends, these comrades fall, whether through their own lifestyle, through their own choices, or because of natural causes. Now the news is guardedly good that uh, they are planning to resume their tour in July of this year. We'll see when I hear very serious medical condition, when it comes to somebody of George Thurgood's age, I tend to be a little worried. Um, Now we just got through something with Jack blades, obviously, By all accounts, not nearly as serious, but um, thoughts and prayers go out to the Delaware destroyer, George Thurgood, for a quick, speedy, healthy recovery. The Who, again, a little bit of bad news here, was fortunate enough to see The Who right before the COVID debacle hit the year before so i can at least say i saw the who once unfortunately if you have not seen the who here in america it's not looking good because roger daltrey came out this past week and he said the who are most likely done touring the united states now of course the who are infamous for farewell tours Oh, and then we're going to come back 
we're done. Then we're going to put a new album. So I would take it with a grain of salt. If the money's good enough, I would imagine that they could be coerced, coaxed into coming back to the States one more time for what would probably be their fourth or fifth farewell tour. All right, let's move on to better tour news. Uh, Peter Frampton, we just talked about the who, <laughs> and we talked about how the who always backtrack on their promises of this is the last tour, this is our farewell tour. Well, we've got another classic performer, this one from the 70s, who his last tour, he said he was done. He was over medical conditions. Well, Peter Frampton is not done yet. And of course, he is titling his 2023 U.S. tour, the Never Say Never Tour. At least he's acknowledging that he kind of fibbed a little bit with the last tour, calling it his farewell. So Peter Frampton going to be out on the road from June through August here in 2023, over 25 dates in North America. Another person, another rocker from the 70s who is calling it quits, 14-date farewell tour, U.S. dates only. Mr. Ted Nugent is calling it a day. Now, he says he's not going to stop creating new music. He's not going to stop recording. Kind of sounds similar to David Coverdale and Whitesnake. The Adios Mofo Tour. <laughs> I love that. Love that title. The Adios Mofo Tour goes from July through August of this year. Uh, I've seen Ted Nugent in Damn Yankees. I've never seen him solo. Uh, he is starting the tour nearby within about an hour of where I live. But uh, I saw the ticket prices and with all the other shows I've already got lined up, uh, ticket prices are a little steep for the lower and middle class people in this country. Let's put it that way. So uh, I will probably pass on Adios Mofo, but... Godspeed, Ted Nugent. Godspeed. Now we've got a tour announcement from Sting. Sting will have a North American tour, a short one. Only 13 dates, September and October of 2023. Um, if you guys don't know this, I am not a fan of nepotism. So I'm kind of disheartened, disappointment, disappointment reigns supreme with me on this because I just, I saw this happen with Sammy Hagar a few years ago when I saw him. Now there were three acts. So you had Sammy Hagar in the circle, you had Night Ranger, as I guess you would call them the de facto opening band, and then you had a third opener, which was Sammy Hagar's son. 
And now Sting is going to have his son opening up for him on this short 13-day North American tour. I don't like it. I don't like nepotism at all. Two major reasons. Number one, if you can't make your kids earn their way, if you can't get your kids to earn it on their own, then you're going to get diminishing returns, whether it's handing over the reins of a company to a son or a daughter, whether it's my second point, keeping somebody else out of the spotlight, keeping some young, energetic, fresh band or performer out of the spotlight just so you can push your kids on everybody because they came to see you, I just find something inherently wrong with that. It's arrogant. You're assuming that your offspring are as talented as you. And that is, in most cases, not the case. So a little bit of shame here on Sting for pulling this nepotism stuff with his 13-day tour. But, oh well, he's arrogant. He's rich. He can do what he wants. Oh, and by the way, updating last week's story involving how much Diddy is paying Sting for sampling every breath you take. Last week we reported $5,000 a day, over $1.8 million a year. Diddy says when he confirmed that on social media, he was joking. Now, there is a interview with Sting back in 2003, yes, 20 years ago, where Sting at least confirmed the original figure that had been bandied about for years. So even if the $5,000 a day number is overblown and it was a joke on Diddy's part, number one, it's not very funny. How is it a joke? If you want to make a joke, you should have said, I pay him $50,000 a day. Make it something outrageous and outlandish. So I have my doubts. I have my doubts that maybe Diddy wasn't necessarily lying about that $5,000 a day number. But anyway, Sting has confirmed as of 20 years ago, 2003, in an interview that the the original figure, and I'm going to say this has got to be correct. Sting says he is getting $2,000 a day from Diddy for taking that sample from Every Breath You Take for one of his hit songs, which amounts to about $730,000 a year. Still not too shabby for Mr. Gordon Sumner. And then, of course, I heard that Andy Summers, guitarist for the police, is not very happy because the part of the song, Every Breath You Take, that was sampled by Diddy is actually the guitar riff, which, of course, Andy Summers played in that song for the police. But Sting, depending on the dynamic of the band, 
I know Van Halen, all four members were credited with songwriting. But with the police, there at the end, towards the end, Sting was taking credit for a lot of the songwriting on his own. So that's why Sting's getting all this money. And even though it's a guitar part that Andy Summers played, he's getting nothing. So he's not really happy about that. And part of me can't blame him. But again, it depends on the dynamic of the band. It depends on the egos. Who's in charge? Do the other members let the bigger ego take over? And if they do, in the end, it's kind of on on them. It's their fault. We've seen this here recently with Motley Crue which is still ongoing. Did Mick Mars really sign paperwork relinquishing control? I mean, who's really in charge of Motley Crue? I've always thought that's probably Nikki Six. But again, with the, the police, you knew. After they became popular, it was obvious that Sting was the alpha male. So in the end, is it really his fault? Or is it Andy Summers' fault? Is it Stuart Copeland's fault for not pushing more to get equal credit for songwriting? You be the judge. Now, one last little bit of tour news. And then, just like with Sting, I'm going to tie in a, a rock and roll news article along with that. Joe Perry just recently announced that even though things have been really hit and miss with Aerosmith over the past four or five, six years in terms of touring, of course, we know about Steven Tyler's substance abuse issues and going into rehab. Drummer Joey Kramer doesn't look like he's going to be able to perform on the road anymore, or at least for the foreseeable future. Now, how does that play into this? Joe Perry announced that Aerosmith will most likely be out on tour in the fall of 2023 into 2024. And he did verify that Joey Kramer most likely will not be on for this tour. He's still, unlike the whole ugly Mick Mars situation with Motley Crue, Joe Perry insists that Joey Kramer is still a full-fledged member of Aerosmith. We've seen this here with U2 recently, of course, where Larry Mullen will not go out and play with U2 for the foreseeable future. Um, Joe Perry basically talked about how the wear and tear of touring is hardest on a drummer. So maybe we're seeing a lot of that, again, with U2, now with Aerosmith. But I was kind of surprised to hear Joe Perry talking about, in such confident terms, that Aerosmith was definitely going to be touring at the end of this year into next year. So hopefully Steven Tyler is all right. He's put his demons behind him. He's still got that very, very tricky controversial lawsuit in the works. Um, I don't want to get into too much detail on it because, again, like I said earlier, 
like to keep this as family friendly as possible so the younger generation can enjoy this podcast, but it involves as you older rock and roll fans know, um, serious allegations um, involving a young lady under the age of consent. Let's put it that way. Now, Joe Perry has got a lot going on outside of Aerosmith. Um, There is supposedly a new Joe Perry Project album in the works. He's also releasing a revised, updated version, and I didn't even know this album was out there, so I will beg your forgiveness. But coming out May the 26th, like I said, revised, updated, version of Switzerland Manifesto MK2. Yes, I said that correctly. (laughs) Switzerland Manifesto MK2. Very hard not to say that without trying to put a goofy accent on it, as you can tell. I don't know why, Um, but it's just so hard to say that without trying to say it with a, uh, a kind of a goofy Mike Myers, Austin Powers, accent to it (laughs) anyway revised updated version of that joe perry album coming out may the 26th also coming out in may specifically may the 19th paul simon has a new acoustic album coming out i don't know if you can call it an album or an ep it's not by the track listing very long And I can't see Paul Simon indulging in 8, 9, 10, 12-minute songs. But Paul Simon's acoustic album, Seven Psalms, will be out May the 19th. Like I mentioned, seven songs meant to be listened to as one continuous piece, which is interesting. So obviously some kind of a concept album. Um, the acoustic part of it with Paul Simon probably shouldn't scare anybody off um, outside of, obviously, his hugely popular success with Graceland and his workings with African music and rhythms. If you listen to Simon and Garfunkel, and I'm sure you have, <laughs> it's acoustic. <laughs> so, again, Paul Simon... When he says he's putting out an acoustic album, it doesn't scare you off as much as it would with some other artists. Let's put it that way. Now, I teased this last week. Getty Lee of Rush putting out his autobiography November the 14th of this year called My Effin' Life. Kind of an interesting title there. I guess I uh, expect a little more creativity from a member of Rush when it comes to a title. I mean, Rush has never been one of those bands, and Getty Lee and Alec Lifeson and, of course, the late, great Neil Peart were never ones to shy away from a grand concept or over-the-top creativity. So the blue, the blatant, brutal 
title of my effing life <laughs> for Getty Lee's autobiography. Definitely could see myself checking that out November 14th of 2023. And finally, we'll shift back to a little bit of sadness here to wrap up News of the World. Um, Little-known bass player John Regan passed away here recently. Uh, might not know his name, but he did play bass for Ace Fraley and somebody we just talked about a few minutes ago, Peter Frampton. So our thoughts and prayers go out to the family and friends of John Regan. And that is going to do it for News of the World. Segment one here on April the 14th is done. We still got plenty more coming, kids. Plenty more coming. Breakdown is up next, of course, our look at new music and new albums. So stick around through a quick promo break, and I will be right back. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Fortress of Rock podcast with me, the maestro, Kevin Crane. Of course, that was segment one, the news of the world, our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen, where we look back at the past week in rock and roll and all the news and all the controversies that you deserve to know about. Next up is the heart of the show, the meat and potatoes breakdown where we are going to review all the new songs all the new albums all the new concert tours the shows that i've seen personally stay tuned for that of course we're now available on spotify anchor apple stitcher Castbox, google pocket cast and radio public wherever you listen to your favorite podcast hang out kids we'll be right back Hey everybody, welcome back to the Fortress of Rock, episode 87 on April the 14th, 2023. As always, glad to have you aboard. Hope you enjoyed News of the World, segment one. Forgot to mention in segment one, something I wanted to bring up here a couple times as much as I possibly could here in episode 87 next week. Starting with episode 88, that would be April the 21st, 2023. Your weekly Fortress of Rock podcast will hit a couple hours later than normal. Still Friday night. Same content. But I usually try to get the Fortress of Rock out here over the last year and a half since we've been doing this. Tried to get it out at about 7 o'clock Eastern time in the U.S. every Friday night. Now we're going to be looking at 9, 9.30 every Friday night. Just a couple hours later than what you're used to. Still going to be Friday night. Still going to be the same great stuff. So do not panic. Do not freak out if you do not see a notification for a new episode around seven o'clock next Friday night. It will be there. It will just be a little bit later than normal. And that will be the way it is going forward. So you're going to have to get used to a new pattern.
But again, just a couple hours later than you would normally expect for your future Fortress of Rock episodes. All right. Breakdown. Of course, segment two, where we talk about the newest albums, songs, concerts. Still, unfortunately, a few months away from giving you some concert reviews. And like I've mentioned, when they start, they will come hard and heavy. It will be almost weekly from June through September. But for now, still nothing really lined up. So we're stuck with albums. We're stuck with songs. And there's nothing wrong with that. Now, I will apologize. I am not one who is want to apologize. There's too much apology in this world. The people who should apologize don't. And the people that shouldn't have to apologize are forced or bullied into it. So I have always been proud of the fact that the things that I say, I'm not apologizing for. It's my opinion. Everybody's got one. I'm not apologizing for my opinions. But when I make factual mistakes, which that's not the case here, but when I make promises that I do not keep, I will apologize. So I thought I was going to be able to do a double album review this week, and I I just need one more listen, one more good listen for the new album from The Hold Steady, The Price of Progress. So instead of this week, you will get a double album review next week. And I will tell you more about that when we get to wrap it up in segment four. But still have an album review, still have a couple song reviews, so it's not like I'm really shortchanging you. I'm just not giving you the bonus content that uh, I promised. My mouth should not write checks that my butt can't cash. So, your featured album review this week is The Cold Stairs, friend of mine. Turned me on to this. I've mentioned this over the past couple weeks, listening to more recommendations, whether it's Spotify, whether it's friends, family members, trying to listen to more recommendations, maybe expand my horizons a little bit. Although at my age, that doesn't really make me happy. <laughs> but every once in a while, I'll mention that this podcast is kind of an offshoot of what I like to call the Mothership, which is a project that my friend Dave and I have been doing, along with help from other friends on and off, rotating cast of characters since the early 90s. That podcast is called Sports Frenzy 2.0. And while we started out as strictly a sports venture, we started off as a cable access show, we went into YouTube, and that didn't really work out. And then, of course, a couple years ago, we moved into podcasting. But towards the end of our first incarnation, especially the cable access stuff, we started to bring in more pop culture, bring in more music, more movies, talk about that kind of stuff. 
so Dave, like I said, he's been with me since the beginning, since Sports Frenzy 2.0 started. He and I still carry on with the Sports Frenzy 2.0 podcast, which, of course, you can find anywhere you find the Fortress of Rock. And wait till next segment, of course. As always, I will tell you every platform where you can find those podcasts. But Dave has been getting more into this, especially on the music side. So he's been recommending some stuff to me. And he got a recommendation from Spotify, liked what he heard from the cold stairs. So we decided, go ahead, listen to the whole album. A couple weeks ago, of course, I reviewed the song Got No Right which was the song that he heard and passed along to me. So we were impressed enough with that. Let's review the whole album for you here on the Fortress of Rock, track by track, 13 songs on the album Voices. Voices starts off with probably the best song on the album, Nothing But The Blues. And that's pretty close to a perfect description of this entire album. The Cold Stairs are definitely heavily influenced by the blues. Lots of echoes of the Allman Brothers, Stevie Ray Vaughan, of course. Um, If you like the Black Keys, I'm sure you can make comparisons to the Black Keys. I find the Cold Stairs to be a lot less pretentious. The Black Keys have always rubbed me the wrong way, even though they've got some good stuff out there. I just, for something about their attitude, especially when they talk in the press, just not, I'm not impressed with them. I'm not, definitely not impressed with them as much as the rock and roll press and media seems to be. But the leadoff track from the Cold Stairs, nothing but the blues, hard, nasty, brutal, awesome song. Exactly what you'd expect from a blues bar band. And like I said, best song on the album right out of the gate. Second song is Come For Me. Not bad. Pretty good. Solid guitar riff. This is where I heard a little bit more of that Allman Brothers influence. Track three, The Joy. It's a solid mid-tempo rocker. Um, maybe even a little bit under mid-tempo. But it's, again, a slow burn blues type of song. And I like this very much. I enjoyed the joy. (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't resist. Track four, Lights Out. Lights Out is a tricky song for me to judge because... On its surface, it's not bad. It's okay, but I was it was driving me crazy. I was listening to the song, listened to it the second time, listened to it the third time, and something about it was driving me crazy. The guitar riff in Lights Out, the, the cold stairs, 
crib this almost directly. We have talked in the past about plagiarism. And of course, there's only so many guitar riffs to go around. There's only so many song titles. You're going to get overlap. And of course, some people really get upset and file lawsuits. But the guitar riff in Lights Out is, to me, almost note for note taken from the bridge riff in the James Gang's classic song, Funk Number 49. And I did a side-by-side, jumping back and forth on Spotify between the two songs. Now, again, I'm not talking about the main riff that starts out Funk Number 49. It's the bridge riff about 40, 50 seconds in. And you compare that to the main riff in Lights Out by The Cold Stairs. They're almost identical. I'm sorry. So you you decide how you feel about that. It bothers me a little bit, so I would have to downgrade the song Lights Out. And then, of course, track five, Got No Right. We reviewed that a couple weeks ago. Second best song on the album. Great, great, great song. Then, and this seems to be a pattern with a lot of albums nowadays, you just can't keep the momentum going. Whether the album's got too much filler in it, because, of course, when the CD format hit and you could put more music on one CD than you could on an album, on an LP, on a cassette, the inclination was, well, we've got to fill up the CD. We've got to, if we're going to charge a couple dollars more at that time for the CD format, we've got to put more on it. We've got to have bonus tracks. We've got to, you know, we've got to fill in the capacity of the CD, which is roughly 70 minutes, give or take a few minutes or a few seconds. And I'm going to tell you right now, the Cold Stairs Voices is one of those examples of an album where you could have trimmed the fat a little bit. And track six, Sorry I Was Late, was it's the perfect example of this. This, to me, was the least impressive song by far on this album, and it could have been lopped out, and I would have had no problem with it whatsoever. would have made for a much better, much tighter album Again, as I mentioned at the top, 13 songs, classic Van Halen. You look at the the album links of the classic David Lee Roth Van Halen albums, and they barely, barely made it through 30 minutes. Barely made it through 30 minutes in a lot of cases. Nobody's talking about how those albums were awful and terrible and didn't give you enough content. They were awesome because there was no wasted moments. There are no wasted tracks. And I'm not picking on the cold stairs here. Again, I'm pointing this out as a lesson to all the bands out there. And they are not the only ones. Def Leppard recently with Diamond Star Halos. Now, they probably don't look at the two quote-unquote country songs on that album as filler, especially since they're playing one of them in concert during the 2022 stadium tour, but a lot of us who are big time Def Leppard fans could have done without those two 
country experiment songs, still would have been happy with the album and it would have been a lot tighter and a lot better. So what I'm saying here is with the cold stairs, lop off, sorry I was late, just drags the album down. Track seven, title track, Voices. Again, okay. Could you put that one on the chopping block? Maybe, maybe. Then luckily things pick up again with track eight, Waiting for the Rain Again, and track nine, Sinner Man. Both have killer, killer guitar riffs. I would say Sinner Man is a little bit better between the two, but they're both great. Sinner Man, of course, has something that used to be commonplace, but is now almost a a lost cause when it comes to songs. Has a great fade out. Most bands nowadays like to just stop the songs. And of course, old school rock and roll fans like you, like me, remember most bands in the, the back, 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 way back in the 70s and the 80s loved to do the fade out. And again, it seems like that's something that uh, bands shy away from nowadays, but for Sinner Man, it really works. Very cool fade out on Sinner Man. Then we get to track 10, Throw That Stone. A slower blues number. Again, okay. This is another candidate for trimming, in my opinion. Would have been okay if this one wasn't on the album. Track 11, it's heavy. A little better, but still just okay. This is where I hear in the guitar riff some some Stevie Ray Vaughan influence. Then luckily the album ends on a strong note. Track 12, Thinking About Leaving Again. Great, great blues song. And then track 13, The Ghost as the title implies, an almost haunting mid-tempo blues ballad. So overall, as you follow along track by track with me, you can tell we're looking at at least half the album, if not a little over half the album, that's above board, above par, solid. So... I will give you a cautious recommendation, especially if you like the bands that I mentioned before, the Black Keys, the Allman Brothers, Stevie Ray Vaughan. If you're a fan of that type of music, I think you will enjoy the Cold Stairs. Will this album convert you if you're not? There's a couple songs on here that might that might win you over and bring you into the fold when it comes to blues rock. So again, a cautious recommendation for the Cold Stairs voices. All right, two songs to review this week. First up, Pete Townsend. Of course, we were talking about The Who in segment one and how they are supposedly done with touring the United States. 
but Pete Townshend has put out his first solo song in a couple decades, I think a couple decades plus. The song is Can't Outrun the Truth. Now, this is not a fully formed epic Who song, like maybe you would expect. Now, Pete Townsend has gotten very ambitious with some of his solo work. This is the exact opposite. This is just a a melancholy, I almost want to call it a ditty. It's a melancholy song reflecting on the COVID lockdown, mortality, realizing when your government is telling you you cannot leave your house, you can't go out and enjoy life like you would normally, it makes you reevaluate, it makes you rethink things. You've got an acoustic feel, you've got strings, you've got harmonica, you might hear banjo in there, not sure about that. It clocks in right around three minutes. So again, not epic. But Can't Outrun the Truth is a really good song, a solid song. Uh, I found it to be extremely enjoyable. Again, it's not earth-shattering, groundbreaking by any stretch, but I think we can all find a little bit of solidarity in what Pete Townsend is singing about after now finally being able to look back and reflect on the lockdown, the COVID lockdown that we all suffered through. You want to use the word poignant. I, I think that's a little strong. I just think it's relatable. There's a tiny bit of humor in there, in the in his voice, in, in the way he sings this song, with the way he delivers it. So again, it's not really something that I would call a, not, a one-off type of song. It's a little bit more profound than that, but at the same time, again, it's not a groundbreaking Who-type epic song, like Won't Get Fooled Again or Baba O'Reilly. But it is very enjoyable, so check out Pete Townsend's can't outrun the truth. All right, now finally, here in Breakdown, I don't like to do this. I apologize at the beginning for promising a double album review. And of course, I said, going to have to have another week to really digest the new Hold Steady, even though we've reviewed multiple songs already here on the fortress from the album, the price of progress. But usually I will give you forewarning when we get to wrap it up. I will always try to let you know ahead of time what I'm going to review. This case, I am pushing up a song to fill that gap. Since we took away the hold steady, I am going to jump right into a song review that I did not give you any warning about and it is an awesome awesome song the second single from winger's upcoming album seven the song is it all comes back around it is an epic where we were talking about pete townsend and his cannot run the truth is more subdued than what you would expect maybe from him this is almost the opposite with winger 
it all comes back around is a seven plus minute cautionary power ballad song with a killer, I mean killer, guitar solo from Red Beach. This is not, when I say power ballad, of course, this is not an ooey-gooey love song type power ballad. The, the first song that pops into my head, and I don't know if it's a fair comparison, but I keep thinking of Metallica and Nothing Else Matters when I, I listen to It All Comes Back Around. And I don't think that's a fair comparison for either band. But this is just what I've been wanting from rock and roll. This type of gamble. You tell people out there, even the most diehard rock and roll fans, hey, I have got a seven-plus-minute winger power ballad for you. A lot of them are going to cringe. A lot of them are going to try to find their Beavis and Butthead Stewart shirts mocking winger. But I have always been behind Winger. I have always thought they've got a bad, bad, bad rap. And of course, after their first two albums, when they were lumped in with all the hair metal bands, 17, of course, little uncomfortable, especially now to listen to. I don't know if they really play that song anymore in concert Con considering their ages it might come off as a little creepy but still an awesome awesome song but after the first two albums they shifted gears tried to put on a harder edge and i think after a couple albums where you wondered if it was really gonna work they finally came out with the album Karma, where they were able to take on a harder rock edge, and it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. If you've never listened to Winger's album Karma, get out there, find it on Spotify, listen to it, and it's follow-up, just as good. Better days coming. Now, of course, Seven is the first album they have put out since Better Days Coming. It has been quite a while. So we have reviewed Proud Desperado, very solid leadoff single, and now we get this massive, impressive, doom and gloom power ballad. You can tell by the title, it is about, yes, karma. Keep your demons safe and sound because it all comes back around. Think that's direct. If it's a slight paraphrase, it's close. And again, Winger is not the band with the poofed out hair and the pastel that you remember from Madeline. Can't get enough. This is a different band now. And it all comes back around. Could be their finest moment of their newest, latest incarnation. We have talked about a couple songs already this year. We're only into April, but we have talked about 
Extreme and their first single in a long, long time, Rise. We've talked about the first single from the next Mammoth WVH album. Another celebration at the end of the world and how those two are already probably going to be in the running for Song of the Year here on the Fortress of Rock for 2023. I am telling you right now, wingers, it all comes back around, joins them. So we have already got three, in my opinion, legitimate contenders for Song of the Year here on the Fortress, and we're not even through April yet. So there you go, an enthusiastic recommendation for the latest from Winger. Of course, we're just a few weeks out before we get the album, the full album, seven. But we have a lot to discuss before we get to that point. Miles to go before we sleep. Doc Brown wants me out in the garage. We've got to fire up the rock and roll DeLorean. Head back in time. I want to go back as next, and then after that, wrap it up where we will discuss all the new albums that are going to be coming out here over the next few months. Even though we have got that lag in concerts that I talked about, plenty, plenty of albums to review. We are not going to have any shortage of new music to review here for the foreseeable future. So. Let me get out, hop in the car with Doc Brown, get everything fired up to 1.21 gigawatts. Enjoy. I want to go back after a quick promo break. All right. Now that we've looked at the current state of music in our breakdown segment, it is time to climb into the DeLorean and travel back in time. To look back at moments in rock and roll history, birthdays, deaths, anniversaries of song and album releases, it is time for I Want to Go Back, our tribute to Eddie Money. Stay tuned, and as always, we're on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, everybody, Doc Brown and I are in the rock and roll time stream. Episode 87 here, April the 14th, 2023, the latest episode of The Fortress of Rock. Doc Brown is bringing us down out of the time stream, so it is time to discuss anniversaries, birthdays, classic moments in rock and roll history. Yes, it is time for I Want to Go Back, segment three our tribute to the late, great Eddie Money. This is going to be short but sweet. Believe it or not, not a a ton happened in rock and roll history on April the 14th. But before we get to the events that did happen, this is the time where I always have to take care of business. And I need to let you know where, of course, you can find the Fortress of Rock. If you found it somewhere, we know you're listening, so you found it on a platform somewhere, but you have options. You can always find the Fortress of Rock 
each and every Friday night on Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Apple, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Audible. And as always, I like to point out, you can check out the Facebook page. Right now, as you're listening to this, the Weekend Rock Project is in full effect. We've done wrestling. We've done golf over the last couple weeks. Now we're going full tilt for a weekend into sports and athletes in particular. Looking for your favorite rock songs with a famous athlete's name somewhere in the title. Can be an indirect reference, can be a direct reference. Now, of course, this Sunday, it is New Music Sunday. Where we post a YouTube video of a song we either have talked about in this episode or in an episode just a week or two prior. Have a feeling this weekend will be winger. Now, that being said... I have to give credit to my sources for this segment as well as segment one, News of the World. Because as much ridiculous rock and roll knowledge that I have floating around in my brain, I need help. And I usually get most of that help from the Van Halen News Desk, ThisDayInMusic.com and ultimateclassicrock.com. Now, on to I Want to Go Back. Let's start off with anniversaries. April the 14th, 2015, Percy Sledge passed away. Percy Sledge, of course, most well-known for the classic Soul Ballad, When a Man Loves a Woman. Not necessarily my cup of tea, but a legendary song nonetheless. R.I.P. Percy Sledge. April the 14th, 1983, the tragic legacy of the Pretenders was cemented. When Pete Farndon, their bass player, died of a drug overdose. Now at the time, in 1983, he was no longer with the band. He had been fired June the 14th of 1982 because of drug abuse. Two days before the death of guitarist James Honeyman Scott. Hence the tragic background to the Pretenders and the original quartet. Of course, setting aside my opinion of the, the Pretenders in terms of them being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Losing Pete Farndon, losing James Honeyman Scott, and again, you wonder if the dismissal of Pete Farndon affected James Honeyman Scott 
Now, the cause of death for James Honeyman Scott was heart failure. But again, drug use between Farndon and Honeyman Scott was rampant by all accounts. That left Chrissy Hind and Martin Chambers as the two surviving members of the Pretenders. They went on to have great success. But essentially now the Pretenders, when they are a quote-unquote entity, are basically Chrissy Hind and whoever else she wants to bring along for the ride. But again... Sad day in rock and roll, Percy Sledge, and the loss of Pete Farndon of the Pretenders. And then finally, before we move on to birthdays, April the 14th, 1975, Ron Wood, Ronnie Wood, was officially named as Mick Taylor's replacement in the Rolling Stones. Not a bad gig if you can get it. Now, when, when I do research for this podcast, I always learn something new. And the story that I read mentioned that Jimmy Page, yes, that Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin in the mid-70s, was rumored to be replacing Mick Taylor in the Rolling Stones, which blows my mind. Why would you leave Led Zeppelin at the height of their popularity to join the Rolling Stones? Now, I'm not saying that's a bad move, but it seems almost a lateral move at that point. And I'm hearing rumors here. A friend of mine mentioned the other day something else that went under my radar. Not official. Again, just rumors and speculation, but Matt Cameron possibly being mentioned as the new drummer for the Foo Fighters. Now, of course, Matt Cameron, formerly of Soundgarden, and by my knowledge, currently in Pearl Jam. Uh, I don't know why he would leave Pearl Jam for the Foo Fighters. Again, similar to this whole Jimmy Page 1975 rumor. Seems like a lateral move, but Ron Wood officially became a member of the Rolling Stones on this day in 1975. All right, rock and roll birthdays. April the 14th, 1952. This is a name you might not know. Kenny Aronson. Bass player who played with Joan Jett in the Blackhearts, not during their heyday, not during the I Love Rock and Roll period, but a little bit after that. Also played extensively with Rick Derringer in the 70s. Now for me, when I saw this, the name rang a bell because 1984, We've talked about Sammy Hagar and how he seems very flighty and how he jumps from band to band and project to project. 
Well, Kenny Aronson was one of the integral parts of the one-off band HSAS. Hager, Sean, Aronson, and Shreve. Great album. Again, came out in 1984, Through the Fire. It's a shame they didn't continue on. Of course, Neil Sean had Journey to fall back on. And Sammy was going to do whatever Sammy was going to do eventually. A couple years later would join Van Halen, of course. But Kenny Aronson from HSAS, as I mentioned, also played with Joan Jett, Rick Derringer, brief stints with Billy Squire, a bunch of other notable performers. April the 14th, 1948, Larry Ferguson, keyboard player from 1969 through 1986, the heyday for the band Hot Chocolate. And of course, the two songs you probably know, like me, of course, You Sexy Thing, and then Everyone's a Winner recently remade and remade very well by one of my favorite bands that would be jackal so larry ferguson keyboard player for hot chocolate born on this day in 1948 april the 14th 1945 i guess this is the big rock and roll birthday of today fairly impressive richie blackmore of course, guitarist for Deep Purple and then for Rainbow. Born on this day in 1945, responsible for one of the greatest, if not the greatest, guitar riffs of all time. Yes, that would be Smoke on the Water. My ringtone, haven't changed it probably six, eight months. It's perfect. It just fits and again, one of the two or three greatest guitar riffs of all time. Happy birthday to Richie Blackmore. Then finally, not rock and roll, but country music legend. We have to give her her due. Of course, massive hit movie decades ago starring Sissy Spacek. Based on her life, yes, Coal Miner's Daughter was the movie. Subject was Loretta Lynn. Loretta Lynn, born on April the 14th, 1932. One of the biggest country music legends of all time. So happy birthday to Loretta Lynn. And like I said, short but sweet, that's going to do it for I Want to Go Back here on April the 14th, 2023. Just want to give you a heads up. The Fortress will be dropping a few hours later from now on, on Friday evening. I will try to keep reminding you throughout this entire podcast. Usually we try to get out there by 7 o'clock Friday night. I think we're going to have to push that back till about 
9 or 10. But we will still be there for you every Friday night, just a couple hours later. And of course, we're not done yet. We've got new music to discuss, not reviews. Obviously, we took care of that in Breakdown, but we've got to talk about what is going to appear in future episodes in the Breakdown segment. That's right. After a quick promo, it is time to wrap it up, kids. I'll be right back. Well, we hope you enjoyed our trip back in time, looking back at the anniversaries, the classic moments in rock and roll history. But of course, the DeLorean works both ways. So now we have to move forward. The last segment here, as always, on the Fortress of Rock with me, the maestro Kevin Crane. Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It's all about the future. What's coming out here in the next month or two? What songs? What albums? What concert tours? That's why we call it Wrap It Up. Thanks to the fabulous Thunderbirds. Thanks to you for hanging out. Here comes our final segment. All right, guys, that's going to do it for episode 87 of the Fortress of Rock here on April the 14th, 2023. But wait, still got a little bit of business to take care of. We got to talk about the albums, the concerts, the songs we will be reviewing in the coming weeks here on the Fortress. Of course, yeah, I know. I've mentioned it and mentioned it. No new concerts on the immediate horizon. So hopefully I will be able to fulfill my promise this time. Next week on episode 88 of the Fortress of Rock. Again, going to be a little bit later than normal. Still Friday nights. This time and in the future, we probably won't hit with the new episodes until 9, 9.30 or so. So just be prepared for that. A couple hours later than what you're used to, but the Fortress will still be there for you on Friday nights. Next episode, I am praying and hoping again I can keep my promise. Two album reviews for you. Metallica, 72 Seasons one of the most anticipated albums of the year. And of course, the hold steady, the price of progress fully, completely fingers crossed plan on having both those album reviews for you next week on the fortress. That extra couple hours might help me. (laughs) And then down the road a week or two, The new L.A. Guns album, Black Diamonds. We'll have that for you here on the Fortress of Rock. In terms of new songs, Peter Gabriel. I'm liking more and more what I'm hearing from Peter Gabriel on this album. Of course, long gestating. It's been quite a while. Seems to be a pattern 
We talked about this with Pete Townsend. We've talked about it with Winger. You can even throw Metallica in there. Years and years and years, in this case, decades. Eventually, we're going to get the new album from Peter Gabriel, I.O. I think I can take the slash out now. I, I don't think listening to the title track, which we will be reviewing next week on the Fortress of Rock, by the way. I think it's just I.O. So Peter Gabriel, fourth release off his upcoming album, the title track. We'll have that for you next week. Greta Van Fleet meeting the master. Still looking to put that on the slate here in the coming weeks. And then, again, I cannot say this album title without sounding like a doofus, but possibly maybe going to review the first release off of the redone, revamped Joe Perry album, Switzerland Manifesto MK2. I think I did it. Did it okay that time. I don't think I really sounded goofy that time. The song is Fortunate One. Plenty of guest stars on the entire album. This song, Fortunate One, features the Black Crows. Chris Robinson on vocals. So we might have that one for you in the next two or three weeks here on The Fortress. And of course, there will be plenty of other albums and songs coming out. Winger 7 is about three weeks out. Plenty of great new music coming. Of course, it's spring heading into summer. That's when you would expect all the great new music to hit. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Wherever you are, I hope the weather is as nice as it is here, at least for another day or two. Enjoy it. Love the one you're with. I'm the maestro, Kevin Crane. I will talk to you again next Friday night, April the 21st. Again, a little bit later than normal. The new episode will hit about 9, 9.30 next Friday night. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.